Hi, it's Nechama Seiderson. Hope you're doing well. We are in Parshas Korach, and in Parshas Korach, fascinating story, sad story, we get to see the ugly, ugly face of machlokas, of dispute, of arguments, of divisiveness. A man named Korach, who the Parsha is named for, who is, in fact, the first cousin of Moshe Rabbeinu, he leads an uprising against Moshe Rabbeinu. He challenges his position as leader. He challenges Aaron's position as Kohen Gadol. And he, he creates this uprising against them. He incites to more than 250 other men against Moshe. And he publicly shames Moshe. It's just, it's terrible. And on top of this, if you remember, Dasan and Aviram, did those names ring a bell? They were the two troublemakers. They've been making terrible problems for Moshe since way back when. They were the ones who saw Moshe kill the Egyptian man when he was beating a Jew to death. And he snitched on him to, they snitched on him to Paro. So they've been, they've been making trouble since forever. And they're still around. And they join Korach in this uprising. They were from Shevet Reuven. The tribe of Reuven was the technically the firstborn, and they had lost their rights as firstborn. And they thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to try to get back our, you know, our rights as firstborn tribe. So they joined, they're front and center, and they end up getting swallowed in the ground um, along with Korach and their families, and that is the end of them. Whew, it's kind of like, okay, at least we don't have to deal with that anymore. But the details of this story are pretty de- are pretty intricate. And I'm not going to say all of them. I really encourage you to read the story. It's a fascinating story. And what I was blown away by is when you read the story, you can't help but think, this is Moshe Rabbeinu that we're talking about. This is Moshe who came and saved the Jews from Egypt with all the, which everything that came along with that, the plagues, splitting the sea, in the desert, helping you know them get the mun. He was the one who prayed for their forgiveness every time that the Jews messed up. He was the one who brought down the Luchos from Harasinai, for God's sake. I mean, he, he, was, he was the man. He had given up everything just to help the Jews. He was so selfless. And here we have these people who are saying such terrible things about him. And what do we see that Moshe does in response? Does he say, what? Do you know what I've done for you? Does he say anything like that? No. No. He's, he, first of all, he's quiet. He does fall on his face. But do you know what he does? He calls Dustin and Aviram to come talk. He, he wants them to come so he could talk to them because he wants to try to get them to do teshuva, to repent. They won't come, so he himself goes down to their tent. And when they finally come out, they don't show him any honor. They say, what have you even done for us already? They mock him. They disgrace him. Can you imagine? But what I am so blown away by is the fact that Moshe had the humility and the greatness to be able to go to these people who were so horrible to him and so clearly in the wrong and try to make peace with them and try to help them. Can any of us say that we can do something like that? When we're in the midst of some sort of argument, which we should try to steer clear, run as fast as we can away from Mahlokas, but if we do get into any sort of argument, are we able to try to make peace and even apologize even when we think that we're in the right? Do you think we could do that? I think that's a tremendously powerful lesson right there, one from many in this Parsha. Another thing that takes place within the Parsha is that Moshe does a test. Like I said, they were challenging Aaron's position as Kohen Gadol. So he says, okay, why don't 
250 men or he doesn't say the number. He says whoever wants to join and it ends up being 250 men. Whoever wants to join, come take take a pan and bring up the katoras, bring up this incense, this this special offering, and let's see what happens. And the 250 men end up dying. And they end up taking these 250 pans and they melt them down and it ends up they make it into a thin sheet and they use it for the cover of the Mizbeach Hanachoshas, for the copper altar. And the, the, the Pasuk writes that anyone who comes and, and seizes, sees this, this cover should, should remember the lo so they shouldn't be like Korach so they should remember this lesson of this story that happened never again. But what my teacher in high school all those years ago taught me, and it stuck with me, she said, the lo so it will never again be like Korach so like Korach and his group of, of followers, there will never again in the history and future of the world be a machlokas, a dispute, where one side is so 100% wrong, like Korach, and the other side is 100% right, like Moshe. Think about that. Anytime you're having an argument, no matter how right you think you are, remember, there's never been ever since then, an argument that was 100% right and 100% wrong. There's always another side to the story. And you're never 100% right. So that can tie together with the humility that we can have to remind ourselves, maybe, I'm not, maybe there's something else here that I'm missing. Maybe there's another piece here. That should help us have the humility to be able to apologize and try to make peace, however, whatever it might take, even when we think we're right. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And thanks for listening.